Acorn Podcast is a space where you can tune in to listen to topics ranging from wellness to current events. I'm your host, Ellie Gordon, Master of Public Health, Behavior Analyst, and Ayurvedic Practitioner, and I'm thrilled to be with you all. Season 2 will mostly be dedicated to mommies and babies, the good, bad, and ugly. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ellie Gordon Podcast. I'm delighted to have Allison Lieberman on today. Allison Lieberman is a licensed marriage and family therapist, perinatal mental health certified. She is the CEO founder of Rooted Harmony and Counseling, a virtual group in California. And she also identifies as the new mama mentor through her coaching practice, Ali Chara Coaching LLC. Through her work, Allison helps new moms dive into the difficult topics of breastfeeding versus formula feeding, managing mom guilt, setting boundaries with difficult family members, exploring what our expectations are of motherhood and how our lived experience can be different, and reigniting the flame in your marriage, splitting the load with your partner, loving yourself unconditionally, and so much more. Hi, Allie. It's so good to have you on today. You are such a pinnacle point for new moms and have rightfully coined yourself the new mama mentor and um, you do so much for moms in the community so thanks for coming on thanks for having me i'm excited to be here yeah so how did you get into this line of work good question um i i've been a therapist for about eight years now oh gosh that's a long time yeah wow um but I didn't get into perinatal mental health until after I had my own kids. Um, I, after I had my son, I had postpartum anxiety, but I didn't know that I had it or what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and being a therapist, I felt like that was pretty terrible, um, because we don't learn about that in school. And, um, a lot of us go to school for a long time and we don't learn about postpartum anything. Um, and so I started doing research and then I got certified and then I had another baby at the start of the pandemic. <laughs> and I realized that like, this was just a very neglected part of our community. I totally agree with you. And I'm so happy that you're here for all of us in the community and for, you know, I'm sure people virtually as well, it sounds like you are, and that you, um, came to a point where you got your certifications and you're like, you know, this is totally lacking in the field. And you're right. It's not talked about very much the whole postpartum world. I mean, that there was that movie with, what was it? Charlize do that one. Have you seen it? It was like where she had like, anyway, monster yes something like that and that was like pretty like a dark I remember seeing that and being like wow is that like reality and so much happens postpartum so um good for you for for getting into it and and being there for for all of your clients and friends and family I'm sure um so okay so that's how you got into it yeah the loneliness that comes postpartum can be pretty dark um I know too for me I'm like I did not know what to expect pregnancy itself can be you know kind of weird too with all of the raging like hormones and like your body's shifting but like postpartum is its own thing for sure Mm -hmm. um you're like you you feel like you're supposed to feel a certain way maybe, or yeah, 
even like right when that golden hour happens, it's like, or supposed to happen. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to feel very, very connected with, with this baby, but that doesn't always happen right away or it's just confusing. And there's yeah. just, it's, there's just so much going on. Um, you're replaying the birth trauma oftentimes, like you're late at night, like trying to nurse or having difficulties nursing. I mean, there's a lot of struggle that comes with it. What do you yeah. typically, um, what do you typically advise your, your moms, your new moms, uh, like postpartum, like that second, third week where it's just, you're really in the heat of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the, the like first thing with postpartum is that I think we've normalized this piece of like, you're supposed to just instantly fall in love with your baby and feel connected and love being a mom. And that's actually quite the opposite of what the quote unquote norm is. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so the biggest part about working with moms postpartum is just normalizing the struggle. Like it's really hard to go from not having a baby to having a baby, being sleep deprived, having people wanting to see the baby, managing your relationship that is supposed to continue to thrive and connecting with this baby and making sure they get to all the doctor's appointments and all of that. Like, it's just a lot. And yeah. so the, the first step is just like normalizing, like it's okay to not be okay right now. <laughs> like, yeah, that is, that is the norm is to not be okay. And so one thing I always like to share with my clients is like, when you're pregnant, you're building these hormones steadily through your whole pregnancy over like 10 months, right? Like they're, they're slowly like going up, 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 and then you have your baby and then they just cut off. Yep. So they don't like slowly wean you off of the hormones either. I see. It takes like two or three days Yep. to eliminate what you took 10 months to build. So like, that's a pretty significant drop. So that's why when like you hear baby blues are normal, right? That's why, because you're having that huge hormonal shift in addition to this ginormous life shift. That makes total sense. So it's really like clinical, like Mm -hmm. it's it's like brain chemistry too. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You think, oh, I'm going to beat this, but really it could, it's like a clinical shift. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's really hard because like some people I think just like know what to do. I was not one of those people. So like I didn't know how to change a diaper. I'd never changed diapers before. And I didn't know how to make formula. And I, I, with my first, like I went into labor early. So I didn't have a breast pump. I didn't have a lactation consultant. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, And I didn't have anybody at home that knew what they were doing either. Like my husband didn't know anything about babies. I knew more than him, which was like, yeah. but I don't know anything. <laughs> so like, no, know. it's, it's so it's, it's, it's complicated. It's scary. You know, you're especially with the, exactly like the, oh, my colostrum didn't come in and, oh, like, um, I'm giving formula like yes my baby's sleeping super well but do I want to keep doing this and I think that education is super lacking too like just I was talking I think with Heather on the last podcast but it's like the education is lacking on the last episode the lacking on like how to even properly pump 
Like you don't like you're, you're not, and then you're supposed to, you're expected to do all of this all at once. And like time is going by, like, I don't know if time's going by fast or, or if it goes by fast or slow, but it's like, everything's just going through your head, like super fast. And you're so mm-hmm. sleep deprived and like, you know, exactly. You might have support, you might not. And it's like, a lot of it's like trial and error, but then yeah. you, it gets you. So I guess up to 80% of mothers will get baby blues. And like you said, the peak is around the three to five days, which makes mm-hmm. sense because of that hormonal shift. But then like the worries come in, like, oh my gosh, uh, what if, and sometimes I will just say it on here, but those thoughts aren't even talked about. And I think that's part of the darkness is those Mm -hmm. thoughts aren't talked about. Like, what if I drop my baby? What if I throw my baby? What if, (laughs) what if, what if uh, my baby stops breathing? Why is my baby breathing this way? Uh, Are they okay? Is look at their face, look at their head. Oh my gosh. can they, are you, am I sure that they passed their hearing test? Like, like all of these, like that's to me sounds like anxiety, but at what point is it normal anxiety? That's kind of a later on, but we can get to it now. Yeah. You know, I guess in the first year, moms spend 1400 hours or over eight weeks worrying about their baby's health. So it's like, yeah. you're, you're coming home. You don't know what you're doing. You're tired. You're sleep deprived. You're worried you know, uh, you don't remember like anything. Cause you're, I feel like your brain is just consumed on like this entity. So it's like yeah. surviving and making mm-hmm. sure that your baby survives. It's like, you know, that whole, like, it's just survival right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how do you combat like some of those worries and like, what is that? What is, what do, what, cause everyone's like, it's survival mode. What does that mm-hmm. even mean? It's just like yeah. you're surviving. So my, just as like a, a resource, my favorite postpartum book is Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. Oh, okay. I don't think I and, that one. Oh, it's great. It's by Karen Kleinman. Okay. And it's even a picture book. Oh, I love it. Which makes it better. Oh, I love and, that. And it really like talks to you about like just the different stages of like how hard we are on ourselves as moms. And, and it touches on what you're talking about, which is like those intrusive thoughts, which is like the involuntary scary thoughts that you feel are just like, so out of your control. And, and everybody has intrusive thoughts, like in terms of like, like that piece, is that the quote unquote normal thing? Yes. Like everybody has them. The question is, what is the severity of those intrusive thoughts? So somebody having an intrusive thought of like, oh, what if my baby falls or what if I fall down the stairs with my baby, right? Like that's a a pretty common intrusive thought because like now you're sleep deprived carrying a baby down the stairs and like, that's really scary. Right. For me, like when I realized that something was wrong, like I was like, oh, like this is not okay. Yeah. Because I was going to sleep at night and like everybody was asleep. Like that, I, I wasn't pumping. Like I wasn't like everything was done. So it was like, time to sleep. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep because all I could envision in my brain, when I closed my eyes, I wasn't sleeping. It was just like the picture was that my kid was going to drown in a pool. Oh gosh. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's irrational because I didn't have a pool. My kid can't even walk. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. An infant, right. And, um, I was like, Oh, like I can't sleep because I'm so worried yep. that my brain is telling me something bad is going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Irrational. This, yeah. Right. And it's telling me my biggest fear, yep. which is that my kid is going to drown. Right. Yeah. But like, it's saying like danger, danger, danger. And to your point is the survival mode is true, right? Like we enter survival mode when we're lacking sleep because our body is like, what the hell is happening? Right. Yeah. But then you add on top of that, that like we've been in a global pandemic for two years Yep. and we've been trying to survive. And then you add on top of that, if you have any trauma whatsoever, right. Mm -hmm. So if you have trauma, your brain is already in survival mode. And then you add on these other layers and it gets worse. So these are the things that predispose us for the postpartum mental health. So if you have a history of trauma, if you have a history of anxiety or depression or any of that, like it's going to Get increase. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't guarantee, right? But it, it does heighten your chances of developing these postpartum mental illnesses. And then if you have more than one child and you've already had a postpartum mental illness, you're even higher likelihood of having oh, another one. It's no. Yeah. So especially if you went, if it went untreated, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that like with my own experience, I knew at that point, like, oh, like this isn't good. I need help. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find help and I, I found a therapist and I found a psychiatrist and, and all of that was fine, but nobody was treating what was actually happening. They That's- were treating me as though I just had anxiety, which I did but it was because I had this baby. And so uh, it's, it's almost I, like environmental circumstances. Cause I mean, it is environmental circumstances. You're bringing a baby into your environment. If that baby wasn't there, you know, like your circumstances wouldn't be that way. And so that heightened anxiety wouldn't exist. Well, so, and I did have, yeah. Like I did have anxiety before having kids. Okay. So like that part wasn't strange. Yeah. And that's where a lot of this goes missed is that like, if you have anxiety before you have kids, the chance of you having postpartum anxiety are higher. But if you're just a general practitioner, you're not treating the postpartum piece. It wasn't you're just treating the anxiety. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I had my daughter, I I was like, oh, maybe I won't have this again, knowing very well that I was going to, but immediately the same exact thing happened. I was trying to go to sleep at night and I kept having these these visions of her drowning. And I was like, okay, here we go again. Right. And I know a lot of new moms don't want to do medication because they're breastfeeding and, and it totally makes sense. And like, that's what saved me, I think, is going on medication and making sure that I wasn't having those thoughts. Because the thing that happens is if you're not sleeping because you're so anxious, yeah, that's when we start to see things sort of transition into that postpartum psychosis, right? Because I really um, need sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, going on a low dose or high dose, whatever you need. And it's knowing too, like it might not be forever. It could kind of just jumpstart whatever it is or help kind of 
go back, help you go back to baseline. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I mean, that's great. That's great to hear that. I mean, it was helpful, but then what on top of that? Cause you said they didn't treat the postpartum part. So that would be like connecting with someone who's specifically like yourself. Yes. Specifically specializes in like postpartum mental health. Correct. And which is yes. like very hard to find though, which you guys kind of very hard to find. It's hard to find. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So with a psychiatrist and a therapist, like at, like I tell everybody, like you really need to try to find, I will help you find, even if I'm not the person. Yeah. I don't care if I'm not the person for you. That is not my my end game. My end game is to get you connected to the person that's gonna make your life that much easier right? Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, if you are struggling, your kid is going to struggle. And if your kid struggles, then it's a, a bigger deal, right? So true that you mentioned that because it's like, exactly. If your anxiety doesn't get checked or you don't control it, like you are your own person, right? I mean, yes, you, you whatever, there's others around you, but when you have a child, they're watching you constantly. Mm -hmm. They're observing they're picking up your tones, they're picking up your expressions, they're picking up your stress. And it's like, if you don't get that anxiety in check, then that's how it, generation after generation, that's sort of how anxiety gets perpetuated too, is through mm -hmm. your culture or through your, your lineage of, oh, this is generational. We have anxiety. My grandma had anxiety, my whatever, my cousin has anxiety, my aunt, and no mm -hmm. one ever wants to talk about it, but that's sort of how it perpetuates. So yeah, yes. Kudos to all of you who like you candle it because then you're one step ahead, helping your child, maybe not have to experience it, experience it because you've got it under control because we right. learn we're constantly modeling for our kids so and like another layer to it when it comes to your kid is like what we see a lot in therapy it's not so much moms coming in postpartum unless they're like really struggling or like a doctor recommends it but we see moms come in around when their kids are two or three yeah and they're like I can't stop yelling at my kid like, uh, I am so angry all the time and everything they do, like, I just yell, right? So like, we're talking about like that mom rage now. Yes. And that could be- Something to look forward to, right? right? <laughs> but it could potentially be prevented if you worked on some of the stuff that is coming up because postpartum mental health isn't just about hormones, yeah. right? It's about the fact that like, you are like bringing stuff to the surface that you thought you buried. Yep. Okay. So that yeah. rage can be manifested from the anxiety piece. Yeah. Whatever else, maybe like lack of support. You yeah. Know, that too. There's, there's like a popular meme going around right now. That's like an angry mom is an unsupported mom. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you add, I hear when you add the second one, it just gets harder, you know, like it's like, oh, I can handle one, but like you tried two and you're like calling your mom, like, mom, I need you. I didn't yeah. think I would, but I need you now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I totally hear, hear what you're saying about that, that 
lack of support, but also the rage that can come with that or with anxiety. So like, what do you, how do you help like families or, you know, um, moms and dads or couples like kind of like the division of labor? Like what, yeah. what do you, I mean, do you, do you handle that with your clients? Do you help yeah. support them in that? Um, especially I feel like after you have a baby, at least like whoever's doing the feeding ends up like at first it was great. Cause you know, if you have a, if you're able to give your baby a bottle or whatever, but if you're exclusively breastfeeding or mm-hmm. whatever it may be, maybe you're just a I mean, you're the soother. I hate to say it. I don't want to be like sexist, but it's like, like the moms tend to soothe and, you know, nurse. And so like, I know that was kind of a big one for me. I remember in all the mom groups, I'm like, well, how can I get my husband to like soothe her? And, you know, everyone's kind of like looking at me like, oh, my husband's doing just fine. Or, um, you know, or like, it's your job to be the soother, you know, you're the nurse, you're the one nursing. And it's like all these things, because and then you can get resentful and all these things. So like, how do you split? How do you even I mean, I don't think it's ever a split with the support. I mean, even with your expectations with family, you shouldn't I've, you know, I've learned don't have any expectations at all, even if you have the best family, the best people in your life have zero expectations because you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> and unless you're like asking for it, you're probably not, it's not going to meet your expectations. Right. There's yeah. like so many different like buckets for lack of a better word, yeah. um, that you kind of have to focus on, mm-hmm. uh, postpartum, right? So one of them is definitely the division of labor. That is a huge topic that comes up because whatever your relationship dynamic was before you had kid, kids changes, right? So like, it didn't matter that you were doing a lot more of the stuff around your house because like, that's all you had to take care of, right? But now if you're exclusively breastfeeding, but you are also in charge of keeping your house clean, how can you do that? And the truth is, is you can't, but also your partner maybe never learned because they didn't have to. Right. So how do you manage that? Right. So there's a great book. It's called fair play. Yeah. I actually have it behind. I have to read it it, though. They also have cards and it's just a good talking point. Right. But the first thing that I like, it's sort of twofold. One is like, you have to set up realistic expectations for yourself, right? You can't do everything. So like, stop trying to do everything, whether that means that you need to pay somebody to help you, or you need to start asking people for help. And that is the biggest challenge. I think when people come to therapies, specifically moms, it's like, I want to ask, I want to have to ask. I want you to either help me get out of my way. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It is not going to happen, right? Your partner does not know how to read your mind. It doesn't matter if you have told them every day for 10 years, it really makes me feel better when you take the trash out. They don't know. Yeah, no, they don't <laughs> you, know. No. So you have to say, I need you to take the trash out, or I need to have to stop asking you to take the trash out. Oh, I right. like that. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that. 
fine. <laughs> Usually it's like uh, the trash will pile up and you know, at some at some point, it's like you either go insane and, and, you know, have the rage, you do it, or you protest. And sometimes uh-huh. protesting helps. But I like that. I don't want to have to tell you. What was that? I don't want to have to tell you. <laughs> I don't want to have to keep telling you to keep take out the trash. Yeah. 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 I'm going to need you to, to do it on your own now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like and- the whole micromanaging because you're already so busy, like, taking care of this baby and whatever else, like you don't want to micromanage, right? You don't have this, you don't have the capacity for it. No, but also you still have to communicate. So that's like the balance, right? So there's definitely like that piece in terms of like the division of labor. Then there's like the, like, especially in those first, like, I feel like six weeks. Yeah. You don't really want to see anybody. Yeah. Everybody wants to see you. So (laughs) that's a good point. But they want to see you and have fun, right? They don't want to see you and do your laundry for you and fold your undies and help you jump in the shower. Maybe sometimes, but they want to come see you to hold the baby and have fun. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and it's, it's like, oh, well, now I have to clean my house because there's going to be people coming. And that's the last thing that I want to do. I have to put on clean clothes, yep. even though like I could stay in the same disgusting t-shirt for three days and not yep. care because yeah. it's just going to get more disgusting. Yep. Now I have to change. Yep. Now I feel obligated to host you. It's right. So and true. people will say like, no, no. And it's like, no, no, this is what we do as a society. I have to host you. Yeah. And I feel like I have to be presentable. And you can tell me all the time not to worry about it. I'm still going to worry about it. So that is a great thing to delegate to your partner, right? It's like, I don't want to have to deal with this. You can have people ask you if they can come by. You can then ask me and I will tell you how I feel. And then you can let them know whether or not they can come and how they can help me. That's good. That's great. Or how they can help me. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because then you're not the one, because it's always easier to ask our partner for help than anybody else. Right. Because we, we yeah, sort you of don't want to tell it. your family, like, <laughs> I want you to come over and do my laundry or, I mean, I guess like I told like your mom, like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I told my dad, I'm like, I really like it when you dropped off the groceries. Like, can you mm-hmm. do that more often? But it's like, it feels wrong to ask, like, at least for me, I don't know. I just, it's, I don't think it has to do with being like shy or too polite. It's just, uh, it's just, no, it's hard. And to this do. is, this is the isolation piece, right? Is that like, all you want to do is ask somebody to help you. Like, I just need help. Like, and there's no person on the planet that can do any of this all on their own. Right. It's just not feasible for a long period of time. Yeah. You need some semblance of help. And so we like get into this place where like, we're screaming for help, but we're not actually screaming. It's all inside. <laughs> it's all inside. And we're like, yeah. please just somebody see me, see yeah. me for what I really need. And you're surrounded by all these people and no one's seeing you. That's so, so then you, true. You really hit that. Yeah. And it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't cuss it on the podcast, but it really sucks. It really does. It's 
sad because that's where the expect I can cry, but like that's where the expectation piece comes. It's like, yeah. don't you know I need you. Uh huh. Like not just even your even from your partner because they might be going through some kind of postpartum stuff that mm-hmm. you don't know about or shock or sleep deprivation, and you're like, don't you see this? Like. Yes, you know, you get the, it's okay. Maybe you don't get that. You're think, you know, but it's like, you just kind of wish someone would just say like, what do you need from me? I'm coming over. What do you need? Not like over the phone. Like I'm outside. I mean, this might be too high of expectations, but like, I'm going to be there tomorrow give me a list of things you need me to do. But that's like, people have lives. Like you can't. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't even have to be that dramatic, right? Like it can be something small. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be like, go, go to the mall and buy me a new wardrobe. You know, like it can be like, hey, yeah. I'm headed to Starbucks. Yeah. Not can I get you anything? What yeah. do you want? I will be bringing you something. So you either have the choice. Yeah. Tell me what you want, or yeah. I'm just gonna surprise you. And maybe that's what you want. But like I'm yeah. gonna bring something to your doorstep, right? Because well, the truth is it's like you want coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you just right? want someone to just just be next to you, even if it's yeah. like, you know, or like exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's good. I mean, it's bringing back, I feel like it's trauma too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is. Well, it's funny because I used to tell my husband, like in the middle of the night when I would wake up and do like the feedings or whatever, I would tell him like, I just need you to thank me. I just yeah. need you to thank me. Thank you for waking up. I yeah. know that it's expected. I know that I'm the one that has to do it. Yeah. I'm the one that's breastfeeding. Like I totally get it, but I need you to acknowledge that I am waking up multiple times and that you appreciate it. And so I am asking you when you see that I'm waking up to roll over and say, thank you. I love that. Exactly. It, makes a difference. <laughs> it does. Make, it does make a, it does make a difference. Yeah. Or like, or like you're doing such a great job. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not always pissing on Sean, pooping on Sean. It's horrible. But like, he'll say something like you're such a great mom. And he's been saying that recently, but it's like, I think in the beginning, I don't know, it was just a, blur but it's like that's what you want to hear that's what that's what makes you get up I want to feel seen exactly exactly and that's so important and like you said like you have to ask for what you need ask for what you want and you know you might not get like exactly what I think we were talking maybe this came up before but it's like your picture I don't think I had a picture perfect thing of like what I thought it would all look like Mm-hmm. but you know you may have thought everything would be 50 50 maybe that was in my head but like I don't know maybe my husband doesn't know what to do with an infant which he didn't know what, I mean it's like yeah. you he it's I didn't know what to do so it's like you also don't want to lose hope because I think like with anything there's development and progress and 
whatever is new at first can be scary and weird and you might shut it off or be like, no, I don't want to do it. But like people change, people grow, they learn from one another. So I think that that's also like, don't lose hope if you're not getting that support from your partner, like right away, you know, they might be going through whatever it is too, or maybe they don't Mm want to have to deal with the crying or maybe they don't have high tolerance for that either or whatever it may be. Um, Yeah. My husband and I would talk about like how he, he's just not like a baby person. I'm not a baby yeah. person either. Like, yeah. Like if I see somebody else's baby, I'm not like, oh, I need to hold them. But yeah. like, like I know how to take care of a baby. Right. And, and he knows how to take care of babies, but like, it's just not his vibe. Like that's not, not his, his thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves toddlers because he's yeah. fun. He loves yeah. running around and wrestling. And like, I hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then it worked, on the couch. Out. it worked out because over yeah. time he came around. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But when you're in it, you might think like, oh my God, like my relationship's over because you're so resentful. You can get so resentful at everyone, including your family. Yeah. So that's the, that's the dark part. But, um, what about like people trying to tell you how to parent or like your mom, <laughs> whoever, why are you pumping? Just when, why do you pump? Why do you, why are you, why don't you put the baby in the crib already? Like yeah. you're holding the, this was the one I got. You're holding her too much. She's, she's going to want to be carried all the time. Don't uh-huh. hold her so much. Like, how do you help mom set boundaries with their loved ones? Yeah. So it's always funny. I get the same reaction every time this comes up in every single session I ever have with any mom ever. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, someone is telling me what to do and like, I'm having a hard time. So I always start off with this and I always get the same reaction, which is like, who cares? (laughs) And that's the reaction I get. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's just like, yeah. I mean, if it's that easy, right? Like then why, like, why do I care? But the truth is, it's like, everybody has an opinion. Like if you're married and then you have kids or just having kids like, or being pregnant and then having kids, right. All yeah. of these are sort of preparations. So depending on how planning your wedding went, yeah. was probably pretty indicative of how your pregnancy went, yeah. which is probably pretty indicative of how your postpartum experience has been, which is if you had a family member that was very opinionated, they're going to continue to be that way. Right. Sense. So keeping that in mind, is like, the first question is why do you care so much about what this person thinks? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause for whatever reason it's impacting you and then figuring out like, once you know, like why it's impacting you so much and why you care so much, like how do you develop the confidence in what you're doing to not care? Right. Cause yeah. like, let's just, I mean, this is such a dicey topic, but let, we'll just talk yeah. about it. Like breastfeeding versus formula feeding, right? Yeah. Like if your family has an opinion on whether or not you formula feed, why do you care? They're not there at night yeah. when you're having to figure it out. Yeah. They're not there when you're like, Hey, now my partner can step in and feed. So I don't have to do this. Exactly. They- they're not a part of that. And so why do they get to have the choice in your head? You're letting them, right? They're going to say what they want to say. That's, you can't control them, but you can control how it impacts you. Right. 
you can't control like their opinion, but you can control how you react to their or whatever they're exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. So then like, once you sort of work on that piece, like not caring as much about what other people think, right. Then I like to come up with some sassy responses. I was going to say, what's a good response? (laughs) (laughs) I love responses. So like one response that I love is like, like, oh, like you're not breastfeeding anymore. Right. It's like, oh, like, was that important to you? Oh, I love it because you're take, giving it, you're kind of redirecting it back to, ah, yeah. Yeah. because usually any kind of opinion, it's like, you're right. It's like personal experience. Like, well, I didn't do it this way or we did this for you. Why aren't you doing it? So exactly. Was that, imp- I love that. Was that, <laughs> was, was that important to you that I breastfeed? Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure you have nothing to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or like even, I mean, this is harsh, but it's like, it's none of your business. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah, yeah. And that's a little harsh, but. Well, and that's the other thing too, that I think a lot of moms do is they explain, explain, explain. Well, yeah, I stopped breastfeeding because I couldn't produce enough milk and blah, blah, right. And you don't owe anybody any explanation. Right. Right. Like, no. yeah, I stopped breastfeeding. That and was when just a personal says, choice, the end. Yeah, when someone says why, because I wanted to, right? Yeah. And, and you really don't owe anybody an explanation. And once you start to feel confident in those decisions, and it might be a little bit of a fake it till you make it thing yeah. in terms of your confidence, but it's okay to say those things because it's not someone's business what you do. mm Right. And they don't know all the circumstances around it or they're not living it. Exactly. And I'm sorry, if any of our parents try to tell us that they understand what we're going through, (laughs) when we all had to birth and parent during a pandemic, then I am going to lose my SHIT. No, totally. Totally. (laughs) They have no clue. They all I hear is like, oh, that's a pandemic baby. Like, what does that even mean? Because like they're rolling and like walking at like six months and stuff like, no, that's not what I want to hear. A pandemic baby. I mean, it's scary. They have to like, they have to constantly see these masks and they, you know, and they have to be more isolated than your typical, like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And for moms who have to stay home and, you know, and then like sometimes juggle like the whole work from home and this and that and all that, which kind of leads me to identity because, um, you know, well, I think like the pandemic probably was like a collective identity shift and all that stuff, but because we all have to like stay in our households and we all had to like learn to adapt to all of that. But like when you have a baby, I feel like there's a little bit of an identity crisis because you're like, well, I used to like get in my car, go get a Starbucks before seeing my client. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to have my own schedule I used, you know, could see, go whenever I want to go here or there, see whoever I want, not have to worry about anything. Um, and then it's like, okay, now it's baby focused. And some people want to gag like, oh, are you going to talk about babies again? And it's like, yeah, this is my reality. And, yeah. you know, I actually like it, you know, and, and 
I don't, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot. And I got all my master's degree and I have this and I have that and I constantly study. And that's not, it's not to say that I don't want that either, but it's like, I like this new identity too, but it's also like, I don't want to lose my old identity, you know? And it's like, how do you balance that? And there's probably space for both if you want it, but I don't know. It's tricky because you want to be there for your baby. You want to be there for your children. Um, So I I think the biggest thing that we don't give credit to in terms of the identity shift is that you really are grieving the loss of your old self, right? You're never going to be that person because you have a different life now, right? Your priorities are different. Your life is different. Your routines are different because you have another person involved in it. Just like before when you were single and then you got a boyfriend, right? Your, your identity shifted. Yeah. So when you get a boyfriend, somebody's spoiling you and taking care of you, hopefully. Sure. And you yeah. know, like it's, it's a, a more fun experience than somebody sucking all of the nutrients out of your body and waking you up every three hours. Like it's a very different experience. Yeah. No, it's um, so it, in terms of like grieving that loss, it's, it's not like that person's gone and you can never get any semblance of that back, but it's, what do you miss about that person? Is there a way to incorporate that into your new life and how, and maybe it's changing up some of the routines that you've established. Maybe it's changing your expectations around some of the things you used to do. Like you know, somebody who used to work out every single morning at 6am is probably not going to do that when they have a newborn. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) like, is there a way that like, if you really just feel like you need to do something to get moving, is there a way to incorporate that into your day where it's not 6am because you're setting yourself up to fail, but maybe it's, you know, when your partner gets home or you can have somebody come over and sit in the house while the baby sleeps so that you can go on a walk around the block. Like, what is it that you can do to incorporate those things that you once enjoyed into this new version of your life? I love that. It is a new version. Yeah. I love that. And you can include exactly what you maybe miss or what you Mm -hmm. feel like you're lacking. Um, But it's also like a sacrifice, I think. But I think that's also like, I mean, sacrifices aren't always a bad thing and you know yeah it's it's worth it right you hope that it's worth it but it's a sacrifice it is I hear you about that like incorporating what you can and when you can and being flexible about it and that's where like the whole even like that self-care piece comes in like yeah oh and being able to say no or hey I have no more of myself to give Mm -hmm. like because we need a break too. Yeah. So um, exactly. Because like when you went before pre-baby, like you could do again, whatever you want, whenever you wanted, like yeah. of course to a certain extent. So yeah, incorporating the things you miss. I, like- and I, I do, I do think that like in new motherhood, like self-care is um, not overused but like like we're we talk about it so much that it's losing meaning yeah right and so the way that I've tried to reframe it is like you need to make space for yourself every day 
you have space for everybody else, right? So where's the space for you? Whether it's five minutes, an hour, whatever it is, like you need to have protected space for yourself to cry, to scream, to sleep, to stare at the wall, to watch <laughs> trashy reality TV, to yeah. go on a walk, like whatever it is that you feel like you need space for, like you need it. And it is your partner's responsibility to protect that space. I love that. Yeah. I was confused when I think I went to like a spark group and they're like, what do you do for self-care? And I'm like, I don't even remember. Like I took a shower, you yeah. know, but like self-care is like a total, di- <laughs> it's a totally different spin to it now. I love yeah. the making space for yourself. Because self-care to your point, right? It's like misconstrued as like anything to take care of yourself. So like I haven't showered in three days. So like that's self-care. Oh, like I haven't eaten yet today. So like I should probably take care of myself. Right. And and the truth is, is that's not self-care. Those are basic necessities for survival. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Self-care is like a luxury. I feel like, like that's exactly, that's survival. Yes. Eating breakfast is, you need to eat breakfast. You have that's to eat self-care. Yes. yes. So I think that that is also why I like to sort of reframe it into that making space. It's like, you actually have to step away. Like having a meal by yourself in peace, that can be making space for yourself because that is not a luxury that a lot of parents have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So like having your partner take the baby so that like you can eat for 30 minutes, you can have a hot meal while you like just get to enjoy your food. Like that's fine. Right. I totally hear what you're saying. And that makes total sense. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share that something I found that was kind of cool was like, um, but I tried to piece together with the identity is that the brain scans show that neurological and structural changes, specifically the optimization for theory of mind from like pregnancy up to two years. So that I feel like, you know, kind of plays into our new identity because your theory of mind, right, which is being able to infer what your baby or whoever person needs becomes heightened, right? Mm-hmm. It's a structural brain change. So like, again, it kind of goes back to like that chemical piece where it's like, whether or not we want to, we have this kind of like new identity that's happening. Like, sure, you can have a baby and not to judge or anything, like put them up for adoption or or, or be totally disengaged or whatever. That's possible too, but I think that there's more to it. I think we are like structurally like prone to want to meet their needs and to be there for them. So like you have this like brain that's like, oh, like I have all these degrees and studies and I wanna be an independent woman and that's what, you know, I was taught to do, but then there's also part of you that's like, you know, like, no, I need to be there. I need to like infer what my baby needs. I need to like, you know, support this being. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought I would just share that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like to, to speak to like the sort of returning to work aspect of this too, is like, 
you're, you're separating yourself from your baby, even though you have that theory of mind. Right. And so that is part of the difficulty is that you have this underlying responsibility to be able to meet your baby's needs. And if you're not there, then what do you do? Right. Exactly. But you also have this innate need to connect to people that can have a conversation with you and engage with you. And you need to feel purposeful and like you matter outside of being a mom. Right. So how do you balance those two things? Right. Thank you. I'm very passionate about like improving, like returning to work standards for women, because like, it would be great if you could go to work for like 10 hours a week and then come home. Yeah, exactly. Three months old. Right. Um, and and it, 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 I don't like that. We can't do that. We're having like one year of maternity leave, you know, like just, you know, something like that. I think too, like we, we are expected to, and we expect of ourselves to return to work with the same enthusiasm that we had before. And I think that piece too, like when I, before I had kids, I worked with kids yeah. And I liked working with kids and I loved working in crisis. Like I loved like having those like really intense days. Mm-hmm. And then I had a kid and I was like, oh, this is not fun anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that a was lot. My, it was my entire work identity. And so part of that too, is like being okay with like, you know what, like I want to work, but this isn't the work I want to do anymore. I hear, I hear what you're saying. And that's where you could, sh- you know, if you need to make a shift. Yeah. So there's, there's just a lot that happens. Yeah. No, no, no. But that's really, that's true that you nailed it all. You, you're so good at what you do, Allie. You. <laughs> you're such a natural at this. Thank you. But yeah. And also, I guess to that one thing that I, someone did tell me that I took away, that I took away that identity piece is like your identity will shift again. It goes, shifts all throughout your life, right? Like, yes, you, you know, that whole, guilt thing you have to we have to go back to work blah 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 or I am now a mother and this is my life or maybe you're choosing to be a stay-at-home mom or, or whatever balance the two but your identity will shift because your kids will grow up again too and then you're going to be an empty nester I mean that's way down the line but it's like you're going to continue to go through these changes or maybe again you change your career line or whatever your career path or so it's like nothing's always going to be like nothing's going to be stagnant and your identity will shift depending on whatever is going on but I think this one's sort of like one of those milestones right and so but yes nothing stays forever you have options you know and there's I think you can collide yeah multiple identities we, we all have multiple facets to ourselves yeah absolutely absolutely and just being kind to ourselves as we make those adjustments. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm so glad that you took the time to come on today. I'm sorry. This was like round three. We tried this a few times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is thank balancing you. motherhood. Yes. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and your personal experience and your passion for helping new moms. Where can people find you? Uh, I am, I have a website, I have two websites, I guess, but um, rootedharmonycounseling.com or alishar.com are my websites or on Instagram, it is rooted in harmony counseling. 
and the new mama mentor. Awesome. Well, Allie, hope we can do this again. And it was great talking and I will talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thanks.